0: Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share his grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. Well, happy anniversary, church. Yeah, 26 years. Can we have a round of applause for 26 years? 26 years, 2,600 cupcakes or at least that's what it looks like. So please, please help us eat some cupcakes. Take them home. Take them to your workplace. Do whatever. Just make sure they don't stay here. We don't need those, okay? We don't need those. Please help us. But happy, happy anniversary, church. Um, Last year, we had the privilege of celebrating a big one, 25th anniversary. I know the team was like, we still got mugs, so please take a 25th anniversary mug with you today, too. Um, 26th anniversary mugs don't seem to make as much sense. I don't know why. It's like, if you were a child, you get off of your parents' insurance now. It's good, Congratulations. All right, so, But we are so blessed as a church for 26 years. Amen? Amen? You know, this whole year we've been pressing into and talking about what it is that we're called to together as the church, as a church body, a church family. What are we called to? And, you know, depending on where you look in scriptures, you see that call on our lives in different ways. And just about every church has some form of love God, love people, right, as their mission statement, their vision statement for their church. Straight out of Matthew 22, the the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. You know, turn a few pages later, you get to the great commission, Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Teach them everything I've taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we've been talking about making disciples a lot this year. This discipleship journey we're on, is fantastic. And we want to continue to grow as disciples who make disciples of Jesus. Amen? But I want, to, I want to talk about the third thing that we see in Scripture that we're definitely called to for a little bit. You know, we're called to love people and love the Lord. We're called to make disciples. And we're called to be witnesses to the good news of Jesus Christ. We're called to be His witnesses. I want to zero in on this, this last kind of responsibility that we share so how many of you guys know that our testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done for us is so important? It's so important. I would say more than ever before, our testimony needs to be shared. It needs to be something that we place emphasis on in our lives. Amen? So I want to read to you from Romans chapter 10. It's kind of set the stage with this. We're starting in verse 13. Incredible promise here from the Apostle Paul. He says this, For everyone... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? But as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Let's pray together. I want to talk to us for a moment this morning about living out a testimony of grace individually, and as a church family. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that every single one of us has a testimony of your grace. Thank you that as your church, we have an incredible testimony of your undying favor, your presence, and your grace in our lives. We want to lift you up, Lord. We pray that you would just steal that in us again today. We know that in our world there's all kinds of craziness going on. Sometimes we don't feel up for it, whatever it may be. Lord, light a fire in us again to be your witnesses everywhere we go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 So I want to talk to you first on an individual level. Now I want to talk about us as a church, how to live out, how to share our testimony of grace Proverbs 11:30 says this, he who wins souls is wise. And you know, maybe maybe you've been around church for a long time, maybe you've heard about soul winning, you know. Anybody remember talks about soul winning from back in the day, lots and lots of that, massive focus on what we simply call evangelism in the church in years past in our American church on sharing our faith with those who don't believe. You know, but how many of you guys have noticed that's not as big of a topic in kind of mainstream church anymore? You know, that's kind of been pushed to the, the fringes a little bit more. Sometimes, you know, that gets talked about like it's a bit of a lost art. Sharing your faith, winning souls, witnessing, whatever you want to call it. Or, or it gets talked about like this is for the select few. Now, now, yes, some people have been given by the Holy Spirit the gift of evangelism. But every single one of us is called to be his witnesses. So my question is this, you know, what's changed in our culture? What's changed in our church culture in the last few decades And, you know, this isn't an exhaustive list by any means, but uh, what sprang to my mind is, is sort of two categories of what holds us back, two categories of why maybe we feel like there's a roadblock to sharing our faith, to witnessing to Jesus in our culture today. And I just simply call them the right and the right thing, the right and the right thing. So number one kind of roadblock to us witnessing to Jesus is the right in our world, sometimes we're told, but very often we're made to feel like we don't have a right to share these things that we believe. We don't have the right to evangelize. It's not cool to put that on people, whatever it may be. To share our faith, to share our testimony, what Jesus has done for us. It's kind of like keep that to yourself. Anybody feel me on this? This is our world. Let's be honest: in Northeast Ohio, unless you work in the judicial system. The most likely times you're going to see the word witness is on a shirt with a Nike swoosh from LeBron James' early 2000s ad campaign. (laughs) Witness. Like, for some reason, LeBron owns the market on the word witness right now. That's a problem for me. (laughs) We live in a culture that says, like, hey, man, you do you. You do you. I'm I'm not going to tell you what I think. Like, if it makes you happy, go for it. Whatever. We live in a culture that glosses over so much to share that we believe differently, to show that we have a different standard. That's a cultural no-no, right? Sorry, no-no, I have kids, all right? So I'm stuck on words like this. (laughs) it's, it's, It's taboo. Our culture says, you know, hey, it's great that you have faith, so cool for you, keep it to yourself. That's great for the private space. Not in the public square. Faith in our world and our culture has been pushed from the center of our lives to the fringe to the private space, out of the public square. Barna Research Group did a study about this called the State of Evangelism in 2018. So This is pre-COVID, pre more isolation and disconnection from one another. In 2018, they found that increasingly, generation by generation, now in my generation, up to half of Christians say that they believe it's somewhat wrong to share their faith with the hope that the person they're sharing with would someday come to share that faith. That it's not their right, it's not their place, it's taboo, it's not cool to do that. More and more we're seeing this. The gist of the study that Barna did was this, each new generation feels more and more that they don't have the right to share their faith publicly. They don't have the right to stand and say, you know, I believe what the word says about that. I believe in Jesus. You know, and and reality is it's maybe not the right in terms of the court of law, but it absolutely is in the court of public opinion, in the court of common practice in our world. We don't feel like we necessarily have the right culturally to share our faith. And sometimes that can be a roadblock. Sometimes it can be a roadblock at work. Hey, if I kind of contradict what's being pushed here, maybe it's going to cost me something. Maybe it'll cost me my job eventually. You know, we feel this tension It's okay to feel that tension. That tension's probably not going anywhere. Let's be real about it today. But that's the first thing I think that really sits with us and and kind of sets itself up as a roadblock to us being witnesses to Jesus is we don't always feel like we have the rights. More commonly, we often feel blocked from sharing by this idea that we don't have the right thing, the right thing to say, the right way of going about it, I would love to share, but I just don't know what to tell them, or whatever it may be. And maybe we want to share, how about this one, maybe we feel like we might misrepresent Jesus in some way. Maybe we'll feel like, I don't know if I have all the answers to all the questions they might ask me, so I don't know if I have all the right things to say, and... Here's the thing, we live in a very self-deprecating culture that says, you know, like, it teaches us, it informs us that, like, well, you're nobody special, so don't get ahead of yourself here. And that, that wears on us as believers, it's like, well, you know what? I've got my own flaws, so if I stick my neck out and say, you know what, I believe something differently, people will just look at you and be like, who, is you, who are you? Who are you to tell me? But your life's a mess. Like, we live in a world that, that has this comparison culture, self-deprecating culture, Sometimes it can train us to think, well, who am I? Who am I to share, to tell anybody how to live, whatever it may be? You know, sometimes that can wear on us and make us feel like, actually, you know, you know what? My testimony isn't that special. It's not that special. Last week we were looking at the conversion of Saul, you know, the man who would go on to become known as the Apostle Paul. And he has one of those, you know, radical testimonies, right? He was the man who was persecuting the Christians. Who then had a, a radical experience with Jesus was miraculously transformed and became a Christian and, and led the way for Christians in the future. It's a radical testimony, a radical transformation. And, and sometimes we can say, you can hear it say, like, wow, that's a powerful testimony. You hear that said in church, we encounter these crazy transformations, but what a powerful testimony, powerful testimony. Maybe you've heard stories like, anybody read The Cross and the Switchblade? You know, the story of Nicky Cruz, notorious gang leader, and there was a, a, a church pastor who the Lord said, I want you to go and minister to the gangs in New York. He had an experience with Nicky Cruz. Nicky Cruz was radically saved, gave his life to Jesus, went on to be an evangelist. Incredible, powerful testimonies. And we say that, what a powerful testimony. But, you know, sometimes we need to remember every single testimony of every single person who's believed in Jesus is a powerful testimony. Sometimes we can look at those testimonies, I remember feeling this, I grew up in a pastor's home, I'm like, I've known about Jesus since I was, like, before I could speak, right? I didn't go through the dark night of the soul or whatever, I mean, I've had my ups and downs, don't get me wrong, but sometimes, you know, the enemy wants to whisper in your ears, like, you're nobody special, your testimony's not that special, it's not that compelling, and you still don't have it figured out, so you should probably not speak out. We need to remember, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are amazing stories, powerful testimonies, But I gotta remind you today that every single believer has a powerful testimony. And here's why. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us at all. (laughs) So many times that feeling of like, who am I to share, we're focusing on the wrong thing, on you and me. But our testimony has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with even the ups and downs of our lives, whether they're crazy or not. Your story and my story are all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his transformational love, which, guess what, is the same for every single one of us. Whether you're a notorious gang leader or the Apostle Paul who persecuted the church, it's the same love that has interrupted every single one of our stories, and that is where the power comes from. That's why every single testimony is a powerful testimony, because Jesus is the center of our story. He is the center, he is the rock, upon which all of our lives are built. It all begins with him. He's the hero of the story. I'm not the hero of my story. So I don't have to worry about, well, what will people think of me? It's all about Jesus. Every testimony is amazing and powerful and beautiful. Not because we have it all figured out, but because he took care of everything for us. That is the shared testimony that we have as his people is it's all about him from the beginning now here's the reality if it was all about me and my goodness how awesome i am how much i've got it figured out how much i've achieved then yeah i should probably be worried what people are going to think when i open my mouth (laughs) honestly but i don't stand on my achievements or my righteousness i stand on his righteousness alone amen So whether you've had a dramatic, crazy turnaround, transformation, deliverance story, or whether God, in his sovereign grace and favor, has kept you from some of those pitfalls that we experience. I mean, that's an amazing testimony as well. Amen? All of us come to him broken, regardless. All of us come to him, like Melissa said, we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory to which we were made full. All of us come broken, and all of us are being transformed day by day by his work, by his spirit in us. That's our testimony. So all testimonies are a beautiful testimony, a powerful testimony, because the highs and the lows may be different, but it's the same power that's at work in each one of us. Amen? You know, I I just have to say for a moment, it's the 26th anniversary we're celebrating, and, and I honestly think... We've had ups and downs as a church, but uh, as I look across the room today, as your pastor, I'm privileged because I know most of your testimonies. That's, I got to say, you guys should share them with each other more, just being honest. Like last week, with the, the ladies had their U plus two connect. Guys were going to do that at the end of May. Um, they had a great time, but one of the things that came out of that, I was asking Laura, like, how did it go? And one of the things she shared is um, that some of the ladies said things like this, like, you know, I thought I was struggling alone in this. I thought I was the only one who was going through some of these things. But because I've been doing this in community, I realized I'm not alone. What an incredible, incredible realization, amen? Like we need to share our testimonies. As I look across this room, I see stories of deliverance, stories of God bringing peace where there was just no peace. Stories of God empowering people, asking them to do crazy things and then supplying all the power they need. We have incredible testimonies in this room. You know, 26 years in, that's what we're celebrating. Amen? Gathered here today are story after story after story of God's grace at work in us. That's who we are. And so I want to encourage you, if you're sitting here today and you think, well, my story isn't made for a TV miniseries, that's okay, It's okay. Let's be honest. If you're going through a drive-through and you feel the Lord like pulling on your heart to share something, it's a little much if you're going to tell your whole life story and the people behind you are going to start honking. So, So it's okay if it's like, you know, you don't need to share everything all the time. Jesus just wants you to be real with people. He just wants you to be you with people. It's about who he is in you. Just share that. That's more than enough. Your testimony is powerful. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer when people ask you for the reason for the hope that you have. Be ready, Peter says. Be ready to just share what God's done for you. And sometimes that looks like your life story. Sometimes that looks like, a, hey, today today was awful, and I'm just trusting him to get me through to tonight." You don't always have to tell your whole story, but just be ready. Just be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. My mom calls it your elevator speech because usually the moments that we get to share the hope that we have, they're not particularly long. Sometimes they're short and sweet, like riding in an elevator, like what can you say in the course of an elevator ride? So you don't have to tell your whole life story. You don't have to have the perfect sermon with every you know, T crossed and I dotted that C.S. Lewis would be proud of every time. You just got to be you. You just got to be real with your story. It could be as simple as like a conversation you're having with a coworker. You know, and they ask you what your weekend plans are, and you say I'm, I'm hanging out with my church family. That could start something. It could be that you encounter and you're working or you're you're with your family or something. You see that somebody's got, you know, their their eyebrows are a little concerned. and They got something weighing on. You say, Hey, what's up? Can I pray with you? Just start small with it. Be real about who you are and what you believe God's done for you and what he can do for them. Amen? Yes. We simply are called in Scripture, called all of us, not some but all, to step out in faith and be known for the faith that we have in Jesus. Just willing to be known as, yeah, I belong to Jesus. I'm one of those Jesus followers. And when we do this, the amazing thing is this Jesus makes us a promise. He makes us an incredible promise. Check this out. Matthew chapter 10. You know, you want to talk about not having the right to share or something like that? In Matthew 10, Jesus says this to his disciples, his followers. He says, look, even if you're arrested, even if you're arrested and brought before all the human authorities, he says this, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the moment, at the moment, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your Father speaking through you. What an incredible promise. You know, because sometimes we think, oh, I've got to have rehearsed exactly what I'm going to say. And have all the answers, because I know this person has this, uh, this question in their heart or whatever. He says, don't worry, just be there. Just step out in faith, be present with people, and be ready. And I'll give you the words to say. That sounds a little weird to us sometimes, but I promise you, if you'll just step out in faith, put yourself in that situation, and be ready, the Holy Spirit will start to thump in your chest. He will remind you. One of the job description things about the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself said is when he comes, he'll remind you of everything I've taught you. You know what that means is as you read this word, and I've experienced this in my life. It's one of the ways that I feel like the Holy Spirit, you know, uses me, is so I'll be in a moment And I might not be able to tell you chapter and verse, but words from this book will come flying out of my mouth. I will give you what to say. So if you don't feel like you have the rights, or you don't feel like you have all the words to say, guess what? You are right in the place that God wants you. He doesn't want you to rehearse it all, all day long, all the time. He wants you to be present with people and let him give you the right words in the moment. Because let's be honest, half the time if I'm trying to, you know, minister in somebody's situation, it's coming from up here, it's not the right words to say. I overempathize, insert myself into their problem, whatever it may be. We need to get out of that habit and get into the habit of listening really well to people and listening really well to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I'm, get, I'm getting carried away here. I'm going to get back to my notes. Here's the thing. When we believe in him and we have the Holy Spirit, what Jesus calls you, the Spirit of our Father inside of us, we don't need to worry if we have the right. We don't need to worry if we have all the right words all the time. He's going to give us what we need. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, one of the last things he says before he's taken up into heaven, he says to them, remain in Jerusalem, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit for this reason. This is the reason that we experience the life-giving power and presence of the Holy Spirit so that we can live out like this. You will receive power to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is deposited in you and me, and this is a big part of the reason why. So that we can live our lives and we can tell our stories of what Jesus has done for us. We can live out our testimony of grace. Now, I'm not an expert in all things of the Holy Spirit, Uh, I like to think I'm growing, (laughs) and I want to grow every day in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. But when I read that verse, I can't help but think to myself that I don't see anywhere in the job description of the Holy Spirit, whether what Paul teaches, whether what Acts tells us, whether what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do with us, I don't see anywhere in the job description of the Holy Spirit that he's going to empower us in any way if we're not wanting to step out in faith. I'm not trying to be too controversial this morning, but as Christians, sometimes we want all that power before we take the step. Come on, right? I'm I'm guessing Noah probably wanted to like see some rain before he built an ark too. (laughs) Like there was no rain ever at that point. Rain, what's that? I just trust you. I'm going to build this thing. I don't know. Sometimes we have to step out in faith and then the power comes. that takes some faith on our part, doesn't it? I said it a week ago, and I'll say it again. The Holy Spirit shows up over and over again in power in the book of Acts. Life-changing, personality-altering power in the book of Acts over and over again when they simply step out in faith and do what he's asking them to do. And here's the thing over and over in, in Acts, we, we hear this phrase, aren't these those untrained people that don't have the right words, that weren't educated? Aren't these those people that don't have the right to even speak to us? Yeah, see, the apostles, they didn't have all the words. That's comforting to me. They didn't have all the words, and they certainly didn't have the right. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. I want to show you one more thing from the book of Acts. When they stand up and they start to proclaim, Jesus... To all those around Jerusalem, they start making waves with the authorities. So the authorities bring them in. They threaten them. They command them, stop preaching Jesus. You do not have the right to do that. Keep it to yourself. So the believers are released. Another time they're beaten and released. And so what do they do? They keep preaching (laughs) Jesus. It's awesome. So they decided, though, first to pray. And watch this. Listen to their prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31. Lord, they prayed. Lord, Lord. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single one filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. from the beginning, followers of Jesus have been told, keep it to yourself. Followers of Jesus have been told, you don't have the right, you're not educated enough, you don't have a platform, whatever it may be, keep it to yourself. But they knew what Jesus said. If we keep silent about this, all these rocks are going to start testifying on our behalf. There's an old, old church song that says, never will a rock cry out in my place. Amen? Amen? They knew that they had a, a job to do. That they were called for this purpose. And they said, Lord, we're trusting you. Just give us the boldness. We don't know what lies ahead. You do. Give us the boldness to just trust you and obey. Stand for you when it's uncomfortable. No matter what comes, to love on you and to live it out before our world. Make us bold, Lord. That's what their prayer was. And, and man, did he show up. Time and time and time again, and he still does. And he still wants to with you and me. As Paul put it to Timothy, our God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. We simply need to commit ourselves to be ready. Be ready, be willing to be known as people who belong to Jesus. Be real about the fact that I was once one way, And now I'm not. I am not perfect, nor do I have all the answers. But I know the one who does. And his grace is sufficient for me every single day. We need to simply commit ourselves to being ready for that and watch what he will do through us when we step out in faith. Amen? This is our calling as the people of God. This is our calling. 2 Corinthians 5, incredible passage in verse 17 through 21 Paul says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you belong to Jesus, this is you, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. How's that for a testimony? The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God alone, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, That's our word of our testimony. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come back to God. God wants you. Come back to God. God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. You can say that again. Amen. Amen. What Paul's saying here is it's always been about Jesus, and he's already done the work. It's finished. He has reconciled us to the Father, and he's called us to become reconcilers. Ambassadors, he says. You know what an ambassador does? An ambassador has all the authority and power to act on behalf of the ruler that he represents. You and I have all of the authority and power to act on behalf of God in our friendships, in our families, in our co-workers' lives. We need to start walking into that workplace going, I am here as an ambassador of heaven. I love the way the Mennonite church captures this. They have this saying, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's beautiful. They say it just simply like this, Jesus is the center of our faith. Community is the center of our lives, and reconciliation is the center of our work. See, it starts and ends. Everything is all about Jesus, but we've got a job to do. We've got work to do, and reconciliation is the center of our work, to be witnesses, to implore people on Christ's behalf, come back to God. Come back to God. Jesus has given us this calling. He's entrusted us with this ministry, not some, but all, to be his witnesses, and the beauty is it's never been about us. It's always been about him from the beginning. So when Jesus is the centerpiece, the focus of our story, that is always good news. Amen? Yes, amen. You know, we get in a lot of trouble when we try and make us the center of the story. But as long as Jesus is the center of the story, that is some good news for us. And, and let's be honest. That, that's for us sometimes, too. That's good news for the whole world. But sometimes we need to remember our testimony. Anybody with me on that? Like let's be honest a lot of the time like we're facing some difficulties maybe in our lives we we need to remind ourselves in those moments of what Christ has done for us. We need to speak our testimony to ourselves and to each other in this place because we live in a world where we see constant darkness and that can be overwhelming and exhausting. We live in a world where we see confusion everywhere and just straight up insanity being peddled around as like the next great thing. All over the place. It's okay to be like, our world has lost its mind. It's okay to realize that, that's truth. But Jesus wants us in that moment to park our lives on his truth and remind ourselves of what he's done and stand firm on the gospel that we've believed. Not get blown back and forth by every new wind of teaching. Not be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies which masquerade like they're brilliant but are devoid of power. We need to remind ourselves, you know, anybody else find themselves from time to time thinking in those, in those moments where you're really frustrated with the world and the darkness around, like, I just need a moment to remind myself what Jesus has done for me, because that's about all I can do right now. We need to do that. We need to say to ourselves, remember what God did for me when I was in that dark place. David was a master of this, wasn't he? Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, within me. bless his holy name, forget not all his benefits. He is the one who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. He is the one who redeemed my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. David had a habit of speaking to himself like this. In fact, over and over again, the word tells us David strengthened himself in the Lord. You'll catch that phrase all throughout Samuel. He strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? It means he didn't look in the mirror and go, hey, David, you're David. Don't forget you're David. You're the man. You've got this. You killed a lion. You killed a bear. You killed Goliath. you got this, man. He didn't do that. That wasn't what David was doing. He spoke to his soul in those moments. He goes, you don't got this. You never had this. It's always been God the whole way through. But guess what? He's never failed you. His faithfulness is more than enough for you. Whatever this giant is you've got in front of you today, he's got this. That's what David learned to say to himself. That's what we need to be rehearsing to ourselves. Yeah, that lion, that bear, that last valley I walked through, that last storm I came through. Christians have a lot of words for these things. That last battle, pick one. Jesus was in the battle with me. That's what got me through. We need to remind ourselves like David. He spoke to his soul and said, even when you've got nothing going on, (laughs) even when you're not the man, God's faithfulness. Is more than enough. He doesn't change. He's always there. He'll never leave me or forsake me. I'm hanging on to that. We need to remember how good our God has been to us, for us. I need to remember how good God's been to me, for me, and for each other. How faithful, how true, how every blessing that we have ever experienced comes from him. It comes from him. The reality is this, we miss 99% of the grace that God shows us. We take it for granted. We don't even realize it's happening. If you've got breath in your lungs, God's grace is flowing in your life. Amen? So we need to rehearse these things. We need to remind ourselves with our testimony and let it boil up in us to worship him. Because his love is just so deep for us. His unfailing power that is at work in us is more than enough for every situation we'll ever face. And we need to encourage one another with this. Like the ladies this past week, I thought I was going through this alone. No, you're never alone. (laughs) You're not alone. Devil wants us isolated. We need to go towards each other with the stories of God's grace, amen? We need to be unfazed to share what God's doing (laughs) and not let that cultural thing we got going on say, ah, you're not that great. You should probably keep it to yourself. no, no, no. It's not about me being great, it's about him being great. Always, let's share it with each other. Because we need that. And the Bible says this, there is power in our testimony. Do you believe that today? There is power in your testimony. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's power in your testimony. testimony. There's power in your testimony. I love Paul in Romans chapter 1. He says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe on him. Your testimony holds that power for salvation for others. There is power in your testimony. Revelation chapter 12 says this. Those saints who would go on to attain that we're wanting to become part of says they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There's power in our testimony to overcome. Not just what we got going on right now, but whatever we will ever face. There's not a single thing that our culture can throw at us that God's up in heaven going, oh, I don't know how to deal with that one. No, there is power. He already paid the price for us. We don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. He's got us. That's our confession today. So we need to have a daily revelation of just how good God's been, just how good he promises to be, and hold on to that. And it's not just for us personally. It's not just for us together in this space. Our world needs that testimony. Our world needs to hear it. Our world desperately needs to hear the testimony that you and I hold inside. You know, our world's searching for answers. You don't have to look very hard to see that people are just confused, right? Our world is searching for answers. And they're searching for answers to questions, really deep questions in the core of their being. And guess what? Those questions were put there by God himself. Those questions were put there to draw us back to God himself. They're big questions. And our testimony holds the answer because Jesus is the answer to those questions. I want you to think about it with me. What are the deepest questions that people have? Those big, almost like I'm afraid to even go there kind of questions. They're usually some combination of like, why am I here? Who am I? How should I live my life? What's gonna happen to me? People wrestle all day long with these questions. And I just wanna talk about what those questions are. Number one, they're questions of identity. Talk about identity politics nowadays. Everybody's scared to identify with anything, whatever. Our world's messed up on identity, let's be real. Questions of identity, who am I? Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? The questions of purpose, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Questions of direction, how should I live? What road should I take? Which way should I go? Questions of destiny, what's gonna happen? What lies ahead? What's the future for me? The good news of Jesus and what he's done for us answers all of those questions. The story that we hold inside and is working in us and transforming us has answers for all those questions. Listen to this, questions of identity, who am I? You and I were created in God's image. We were created from the beginning to be very, very good. But every single one of us, like Melissa shared this morning, have fallen short. We all wrestle with sin. Not a single person who draws breath on earth doesn't wrestle with sin. That's what the Bible says, but it says this. Nevertheless, God, in his great mercy, while you and I were still dead in our sins, he sent Christ to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. He bore our iniquities for us. So who are we? In Christ Jesus, we're adopted in. We are the family of God. We are his children, holy and dearly loved. We belong to him. How's that for belonging? We're his family. How's that for identity? Let's talk about purpose questions. People have questions about what what am I supposed to be doing? Why am I here? You and I were created first and foremost to establish and oversee the flourishing of the world around us in accordance with the will and the purposes of God himself. And being restored by Jesus to relationship with God, we can live out this purpose again as part of his body. We're restored image bearers of God, a royal priesthood, and we're each given unique gifts, unique personality, unique temperaments, callings to serve one another in this way and bear witness to a world that's desperate for the truth. How's that for a purpose worth pressing into? How about direction? Well, we receive our direction for our lives from the grand story that God has been telling for millennia. Aligning ourselves in both the big decisions and the small ones with his intentions that are revealed in his word. And he gives us his Holy Spirit as our constant companion to guide us and counsel us at all times. When we need to know which way to go, he's right there. He will speak to us. We're never alone. We're never lost. We're never without true north to direct our path. What do we need Siri for when we got direction like that? Amen? Finally, questions of destiny. What's going to happen? Where's all of this going? Well, our family has a destiny. Our family has a home. Our family has an eternal place with him that cannot be revoked, that satisfies all the deepest longings of our hearts. Think about it, every every sin issue you've ever struggled with will be in the past, never to be struggled with again. Every longing of your heart will be totally and completely fulfilled. You won't even need a sun and a moon anymore because the radiance of his face will light your world. That's a destiny that I want to move into. Full of satisfaction, fulfillment, peace, rest, thank God, and delight. The gospel, embedded in our story, has deep and compelling answers for the questions that people are holding on to and terrified to even ask. And if the gospel is the answer to every ache in every human heart, then how important is our testimony? The world needs to hear it. Romans 10, once again, How can they know this peace, this truth, this transformation? How can they believe? How can our family members, our co-workers, how can our neighbors experience God and believe in him unless someone will tell them? And how can someone tell them unless that person is sent? That's what Paul asks in Romans, but here's the reality. Someone's been sent to them, to you and me. We're sent to them. We've been sent together as his people. This is our shared calling. We're called to be witnesses to the risen Christ and his power to transform our lives. This is our identity as the family of God. As the church, this is our shared destiny. Ecclesia, the the Greek word for church that you see throughout the New Testament, it, it, it means a group of called ones. One's called out for purpose. We're called for this purpose, for this reason. We are the ones sent to share the good news, to bear witness to Jesus as Lord. We represent him. And we do this not just in word, but in deed as well. Amen? The New Testament focuses on this. It's a twofold thing. We need to speak our testimony of God's grace out. We need to not be shy about it. And we need to live it out with our actions in the public space and in the eyes of all people. We need to be willing to be different, to stick out, with the way we act, the way we talk. Amen? 1 John 3.18 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You know, at different times, within the church and church culture, believers have felt comfortable doing one of those things, but not the other. Sometimes they felt perfectly comfortable talking about God, but not acting like God. Other times they felt perfectly comfortable acting everything out, but not sharing the story. You know, we have a testimony of grace that's true. And, and really, the Bible doesn't say it's supposed to just be lived out or supposed to be spoken. It's not an either or, it's a both and. We're supposed to live it out and be willing, be ready, like Peter says, always ready to share. In our word and in our deed, we represent Jesus as his ambassadors. And we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, not because of anything we've ever done, Not because of anything that we could ever do. It's not about us at all. It's all about him. Amen? Amen. He's already made a way, and he is the hero of our story. We're simply entrusted to step out in faith, to park ourselves where he's planted us, and be ready to stand for him. That's who we are as the church. Amen? Amen. We're the ones sent to our families. We're the ones sent to our neighbors in our streets and our workplaces, and to Northeast Ohio for such a time as this. Amen? Amen? I want to encourage you to keep praying for your neighbors. Keep praying. Because here's the crazy thing. When you pray, God opens the door. In fact, you know, God does nothing except an answer to prayer. You want to see that transformation. You commit yourself to being there, but you open that door with prayer ahead of time. Amen? Our church, who we are, is the people God has sent for such a time as this. And the beautiful thing about our church, as we celebrate 26 years in, is our church has a testimony of grace. Amen? Our church has an incredible testimony. Just like we all have a testimony of God's grace, God has woven us together as one body with one great big story of his grace. You know, there's something so special when we all, broken as we are, come together, just united around him alone. And that's what we do here. That's what we want to be about. We stand together on what he's done in this place for us. Not what we can do. Because he's done so much for us. Amen? 26 years in. And every breath and every moment along the way is a testimony to God's grace. Not a single thing has been of our own doing. Through the ups and downs, God has proven himself faithful to our family. Amen? Amen. Our church was never about any human ability, and it never will be. It's always been built on the unchanging and unshakable foundation of Jesus and what he's done for us. From the beginning, we like to say it like this, this body has been a divine experiment. And guess what, it's gonna keep being the divine experiment. We're gonna have our ups and downs, but I believe Jesus is just getting started with word of grace, amen? And I'm excited about the testimony of grace that we have that we can share in our community. So as we look to the future, Jesus will still be the center of our faith. His word will still be the guide to our path. Thank you, Jesus, for just being so faithful to us. Amen? I'm confident that our church is going to stick out more and more and more. If our world gets crazier and crazier, we might stick out more and more, but we're always going to be ready with our testimony of grace. Amen? And as we step out in faith to love to share, to serve, to bear witness to Jesus and what he has done for us. I know the Holy Spirit is gonna give us the boldness, amen? As Scott McKnight says, the Holy Spirit will transform our abilities and transcend our inabilities. And we need that every day. Let's just be people who are willing to step out in faith for him. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have the invitation even. We just need to be present and ready and prayerful and wanting to see God do a miracle. Let's be those people, amen? Let's trust him, take him at his word, and be ready to shine. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.